you are under the age of 15 and you want to come on to the front pew, I would love to have an opportunity to talk to you. Playhouse in the backyard. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Now, I literally then took that, and we prayed about it after we were done with the, with the meeting. We prayed as a family. God, we are asking that you would make this happen for us. However much you see is appropriate, however much you see is right, but we're going to do this. And so then we typed up that list, and I brought it with me. <clears throat> and I went to Colorado, and one of the very first things I did, the very first day that I was there, I went onto the base where I was, I was in the Air Force, so I went to the Air Force base, and I went to the housing office, and I said, do you know of any houses that are available to rent? And they said, oh yeah, and they got this book, and I laid the book out on the table, and I was looking at all these different houses, and this man walked by, and he said, Excuse me, are you looking for a house? And I said, yes, I am. I'm getting ready to move up here, and I have three daughters, and my wife and I were looking for a house. And he said, I'm not supposed to do this, because I just told the housing people that I was renting my house out for the very first time. But if you'd like to know more about it, here's my name and number, and you can call me. I was like, okay. So I kept looking, and he left. And then the Lord said, call it. So I called this guy and I said, can I come and look at the house? And he said, yeah, can you come today? I said, I'll be right over there in just a few minutes. Do you know this house that hadn't even been listed in the books yet? It had six bedrooms. It had three full bathrooms. It had a fireplace, which was one of the things that we had on our list. It had a huge kitchen. It was over 4,000 square feet for the kitchen. That doesn't mean anything, but for the adults, they're going, what? <laughs> it had a fenced-in backyard because we had a dog. And it had a two-story concrete block playhouse in the backyard. Can you imagine? Literally, 90% of the list, 90% of the things on that five-page list, and God gave us a house that was perfect for us. He had prepared it even before we knew we needed it. And the guy who was getting ready to rent it didn't even know I existed. He just happened to walk by at the right moment and happened to ask the right question and happened to... It, it was all God working it all out. I want to read to you a story out of the Bible, or some words of Jesus out of the Bible, that reminds me of what I just shared with you about my own personal life. It's found in the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And Jesus said this to his followers. I don't want you to be worried. I don't want you to be upset. I don't want you to have troubled hearts. This is what I want. I want you to believe in God. I want you to believe also in me. And I'm telling you this. In my Father's house, there are many spaces, many rooms. If it wasn't that way, I'd be telling you that. But this is what I want you to know. I'm going to go get it ready for you. And if I go and get it ready for you, I promise you, I will come back and I will come and get you 
and I will take you so that you can be there with me and my Father. You know the way that I'm coming. That's a promise from God. In the same way that I told my wife and my kids, I'm going to go on to Colorado and leave you back here for a while while I go and get all the arrangements ready for our family to move up there. But I promise you, I'm coming back and I'm going to come and get you guys and we're going to all be together as a family when we get up there. And on top of that, God worked it out so we had absolutely everything that we wanted and everything that we needed and even more, even better. Because God loves us that much. And that's a promise out of God's word that God is preparing a place for each one of you to be in heaven with God. And he promises us that someday we're going to get to be with his Father in heaven. In heaven. Remember that always. Let's pray. God, bless these kids. Draw them to you, Father. Spark their faith even at this young age that they would commit and trust you 100% for all things, Lord. And let their eyes and hope and focus be totally on you in all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, thanks for coming up. Thank you for listening. I'm going to go sit down. You haven't figured it out. Pastor Bob's not 100% this morning. I don't mean that mentally. I mean that physically. It's been a rough week. For those of you who don't know, I had a kidney stone on Tuesday. I was in the emergency room for hours and hours and hours. And then the doctor gave me OxyContin. Have you ever even heard that? <laughs> I prayed, Lord God, I don't want to take this. I don't want to take any chances on it. Because I have an addictive tendency. I had the potential to become an addict. And I was like, Jesus, I don't want to take this. But at the same time, I'm in so much pain, I can't stand it. So I took it. And God kept me safe through it. Except, one of the side effects, and we don't get into all the details, just know that when you take that kind of medication, you go to sleep. Every part of you goes to sleep. Including your intestines. And it takes them a little while to wake up. So it's been a number of days, and we're still struggling with them not being fully awake yet. You get a picture. Bob is not doing great in these last few days. And then, his sister gets COVID and gets put into the hospital because she's not doing good. And then, this morning he gets a text that they've moved her out of the normal room into the special room so they can closely observe her because she's not doing well. Woo! Ah, thank you, Jesus! Love it! Love it! Love it! Love it! I'm a little bit overwhelmed at this moment, God. And then, Sean Connery dies this weekend. Now, it's just one of those, you know what? I'm sick and tired of hearing about death and sickness and, and disease and I'm just, I want life to be good again. I want things to be right again. I want my level, normal, stable, everything to be good. But I don't have any of those promises. 
that's not my promise. The promise that I have is that God will never leave me or forsake me. God will always provide for me. God will always take care of me. God will always know who I am. He will never lose me. Those are the promises I have. I don't have any promises not having sickness or not having disease or not having problems in my life or family members that are sick or dying or friends of mine or people that I look up to that die. All those things are part of our everyday life. And even the chaos that we talked about in our prayer time. The reality is the world is a mess right now. And there is think we can do about it other than pray and talk to Jesus. So, get over it, right? Sure, get over it. That's easy to say. But the challenge is, is that the focus can get off. Did you know that we are literally stabbed in the middle of something I had never, I've heard of it, but I've never paid any attention to it. All hallowed tide. Have you ever heard that term? No. All hallowed tide. We are smack dab in the middle of it. It's a 72 hour period every year. October 31st. November 1st. November 7th. Every year. Ancient. Goes back to the 8th hundreds in our history. It is celebrated in various ways by Roman Catholics, Greek Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, Lutherans, Presbyterians, some evangelical folks, some who are not religious but have faith in other ways. And it's all about dead people. And the veil between the living and the dead. And the interaction between the present mortal coil and the eternal or, or immortal coil. It's really weird how we human beings are so drawn, not just as, I'm not talking about Christians, I'm just talking as human beings. There's this fascination with death and dark and being What's going on over there? Have you ever heard the term thin place? It's, it's, a, it's a very Christian term. It means that there's a spot where, 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 where the eternal intersects, if you will, with the physical. Uh, if you read in the book of Genesis, at a place called Bethel, Jacob, when he's leaving his family and heading to live with his brother, his his mother's brother Laban, because he's running away from his family because he likes, he cheated and did all the good things that Jacob is known for doing. He has a dream and he sees this ladder that goes up to heaven and angels going up and down, up and down all night long. And when he wakes up, he's like, oh, this is a thin place. Now he doesn't use those words in the Bible. But that's what he's saying. This is a thin place. This is a place where the, where the barrier between the physical and the immaterial is open a little bit. And we can be aware of. Well, do you know that there are parts of people in this world, and again, I'm not making comment good or bad, I'm just telling you this is part of our human culture. There are people in this world who literally focus on death this weekend. They are, either, they are either honoring the dead, they are going back to graves and, and, and commemorating and cleaning up and painting and fl planting flowers and making things like that happen. Or they are making offerings to the dead. Or they are praying for the dead. Praying for the dead? Yes, people pray for the dead. 
It's even in the Bible if you look it up in, verse, in chapter 15 uh, of uh, 1 Corinthians. But we won't go there yet this morning. Um, and one of the things about all hallowed tithe is that from the Christian perspective, what all hallowed tithe is, is that Saturday, the 31st of October, it just happens to be Saturday this year, 31st of October is actually All Hallows Eve. It was a day of prayer and fasting. It was a day of preparing your heart for the feast day, today, known as All Saints Day. All Hallows Day. Hallow, holy saints. So today is All Saints Day. Yesterday was All Hallows Eve, the day of your supposed to be preparing your heart to celebrate this day. And then tomorrow, November 2nd, is All Souls Day. What are the difference? Well, All Hallows Day is a time of preparing your heart to celebrate and to honor God. The day of All Saints is to recognize and honor the fact that we end up in heaven. Hallelujah! And then the next day, All Souls Day, is praying for those who may not yet be in heaven or who are who you hope get to heaven, praying for their soul. Now, I'm simplifying it, and there's a lot of detail I'm leaving now, and we're not going to get into all the theological stuff, because some things you're going to agree with, and some things you're not going to agree with, and that's not my point. My point is this. We, as human beings, all of us, to some level, have a draw, or a fascination, or a, a, a pull towards what's on the other side. Whether it is a theological thing, or whether it is just a curiosity thing, or whether it is a morbid thing, it is still something that all of us, at some point in our world, at some point in our existence, we are drawn to the thoughts of, what's on the other side? Is there anything on the other side? I had a friend from high school who was a devout atheist, and she, when I became a vibrant evangelical, born-again Christian, and was trying to witness to this young woman, she looked at me and she said, if I die, and then open my eyes and find out that there's anything more than darkness and me in a box forever, I would be sadly disappointed. And I was like, if I die and open my eyes and I'm in a box forever, I would be sadly disappointed. <laughs> but that's the reality. Some people have no desire to know God or anything about God. But every human being thinks about something beyond this life. Every single one of you in this room has known somebody who is no longer on this side of that veil. Every single one of you knows somebody that you loved and cared about who is not on this side of the veil anymore. Every single one of you, I would venture, has someone right now in your life who is very close to the veil. They're still on this side of it, but they're very close to that veil. Whether or not they're going to pass through that veil or stay on this side for another period of we don't know. We don't have because that's something we don't have control over. And it's not a morbid curiosity or a sick fascination. It is just a reality. It is if you read in the scriptures in Hebrews, it says it is appointed unto humankind that all will die. And then comes the judgment. So there's a drawing, a line that's being drawn in the sand. 
A person has no choice. They are going to die. How? When? That's up to God. But all will die, and all will face judgment. Hmm. Now we're starting to get into areas that we may have a little bit more solid ground on. Maybe. Of course, we're all talking in conjecture because none of us have been on that side yet. But we have the Word of God that guides us. And we have a belief system that we own, I hope. Speaking of belief system, if someone were to ask you tomorrow, All Souls Day, the day you're supposed to be caring about people who may or may not be going to heaven yet, and praying for them and trying to encourage them in some way, shape, or form to start thinking about their ultimate ending and their destiny. If someone said to you, what do you believe? What would you tell them? I want us to open up the hymnal that you just held a few minutes ago. Turn to reading number eight. It's in the very, very, very first few pages of the book. Reading number eight is the Apostles' Creed. Reading number eight, the Apostles' Creed. This reading is older than A.D. 300. Because it was in the year A.D. 325 that the Nicene Creed, reading number 14, was written. And reading number 14 was an expanding, the Nicene Creed was an expanding of the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is one of the most ancient, if not the most ancient, written statement of belief. It is believed that it was written in either the late 1st century or the early 2nd century. Let's read it together. If you don't believe these words, don't say it out loud. Because this is an oath. This is a statement of, of faith. Join with me if you are a believer. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into Hades. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the living and the dead. Everybody okay so far? Anybody got anything? You, you don't raise your hand, but just, is there anything that you're struggling with in your belief system? Yeah. Okay, let's move on. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church Universal. Stop. That second line, that's because we have some people who, and I'm not being unkind, but we have some people in the world today, in the evangelical world, who struggle with using the word Catholic. Because really and truly what that's supposed to say is, in the Holy Catholic Church. Small C, not big C. Catholic simply means universal. All of us who are believers. Okay, let's go back. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church universal, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Everyone believe what, what you just read? Anybody have any problems with anything that we just read? And I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, I'm serious. If you have a problem with anything that we just read, raise your hand. So everyone in the room who just read this agrees with what we just read and believes in. What is the communion of saints? 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. What is the communion of saints? I'm sorry? But you said you just left the line above it. You said you believe in the church universal. Okay, so that's okay. I'm not trying to trip you off. I'm not trying to in any way be funny. I'm very serious. You say you believe what you just read, but you don't know what you just read. And you cannot articulate what you believe. And this weekend, of all weekends, that statement, the communion of saints, applies all hallowed time. Because we believe that every human being who ever named the name of God, pre-Christ or after, is with God in heaven, either now or going to be, depending on what your theology is. But all believers, not just those who are physically on this side of the veil, are part of this communion of saints. Now, you get into some muddy waters when you start talking about communion of saints, because there are some theological persuasions who actually pray to those on the other side of the veil. And they do it this way. I'll just give you one for example, okay? Tony, Tony, look around. Something's lost and must be found. I was reared in a particular faith that they believed in praying to saints. And that particular saint, Saint Anthony, is the patron saint of lost things. So if I've lost my keys, Tony, Tony, look around. Something's lost and must be found. Help me to find them, Tony. Now, what is the difference and I'm, again, I am not trying to make a judgment statement. I'm just asking a question. What is the difference between asking a saint on that side of the veil and a saint on this side of the veil to pray with you about something? If we believe that everyone on that side is alive in Christ, cannot we have fellowship with the people who are on the other side of the veil? In that sense of saying, pray with me over this stuff? Now, I am not advocating praying to saints. Don't hear me say that. Okay? I'm just saying, do you see where some could think that that would be appropriate? And the, difference is, the difference is when people do that, they, most people that do that are praying to that saint for their power, not, I get what you're saying, like pray with people, mm -hmm. but they're ascribing power. Right. And I'm, again, I am not going to get into a, a theological discussion of other people's beliefs. I want to know what we believe. Okay? I will give you another for instance out of my own life. When I moved here back 17 years ago, there was a pastor of the first African Methodist Episcopal Church in Fairbanks. His name was, uh, was Fred Wilson. Fred and I literally arrived within weeks of each other. Our ministries literally mirrored each other. It was amazing. But Fred was as, as much older as me as my father was. So he was a father figure to me, even though he was my friend. And Fred and I would pray together and cry together. Fred preached in this church, if some of you might remember. 
But Fred ended up having to resign his ministry, retire from his ministry, because he developed cancer. And he ultimately died. Well, I go to the food bank multiple times a week. And multiple times a week, I drive by the First African Methodist Episcopal Church right down there in that part of town. And there are many times, many times, as I pass that church where I say, Jesus, would you just tell Fred I'm thinking about him? Is there anything theologically wrong with that statement? No. So, there's this understanding in my mind, and I agree with you, I'm not praying to somebody for their power to strengthen me, but I, I do believe that there's a consciousness on the other side of the veil. I believe that. I believe that the Bible teaches us that. I believe that 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 it is not just that we end over in a box for eternity. I am going to be looking at in just a second. Well, I better get started because we're almost there. Um, I'm going to be looking at First Thessalonians chapter four in just a second. I want to also look at First chapter First Corinthians chapter fifteen in just a second. But I wanted to lay this groundwork because the reality is the world right now, this weekend, every human being, in some form or fashion, is thinking about death and their eternal destiny, whether they're putting in those words or not. Sean Connery died. That's a worldwide phenomenon. Dia de la Huerta. That is a culturally worldwide phenomenon. All Hallows Eve or Halloween, depending on what culture and what persuasion you are from, is a worldwide phenomenon. Every culture at this time of year is focused. Now, Eastern Orthodox actually practices their um, their All Souls Day and their All Saints Day. They do theirs actually in the spring, right after Pentecost. So it's not that everybody is. But for the most part, the world is focused on death and the veil. And this side of eternity and that side of eternity questions. This is the perfect time for you to be able to answer questions about what you believe. And you can't even answer a simple question of what does it mean to say the communion of saints. Now again, I'm not chastising you. I'm simply challenging you. If you say you believe something, know it well enough to be able to communicate it with somebody. One last thing I want to say before I get into the Bible study portion, because it spoke volumes to me. There's a person sitting in the room right now, I won't identify him because I haven't had a chance to ask him permission ahead of time. But this person asked me a question in the last few days. When we were talking about the, the carnival, the trunk or treat thing that was going to be happening this weekend, our church was going to have a booth. And this person said, well, are you going to advertise that it's your church putting on that booth? And I went, and they said, are you embarrassed? I was like, no, I'm not embarrassed. I just, in my own personal, I don't want to go, Church of the Nazarene is sponsoring this booth. I want to have them see my life, my heart, the way I interact with the community, and be drawn to Christ that way. Not affiliating my name with some good deed for doing I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but my perspective, my philosophy, my thought process was to not broadcast the church's name. <coughs> Other pastors may. Other pastors may feel it's appropriate and purposeful and intentional. It's just not the way I work. And so, but it, it spoke to me. Volumes made me think as I was thinking about all of this. How do I communicate to the world what I believe? How do I communicate to the world in a way that they can relate to? Especially at 
this point in life, at this point in time. COVID, Sean Connery, Halloween, how do I communicate what I believe about what's on the other side of the veil? So let's look at what the Word of God says. We already looked at Hebrews. I believe it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, I think. But it says, um, everyone is appointed to die, and then comes the judgment. That's Hebrews. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Chapter 15, excuse me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at uh, verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, hear this, verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and so is your faith. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if is true that the dead aren't raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins, and those also who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have just perished. They're in a box, in the dark, forever. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all dies, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end, when, uh, when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things under him and suggested under him that God may be all in all. Now, basically what this is saying and what I think every Christian has to agree with to say that you're truly a Christian is that indeed, there is a resurrection from the dead. Death is not the end of human existence. We have to agree to that if you're not a Christian. You just heard Paul say that. If there isn't a resurrection from the dead, your faith, your faith is useless. It's futile. You might as well just go crawl up in a box now. Or live however you choose, because what difference does it make? I mean, if Seriously, if it makes no difference to your eternal destiny, live however you choose. Beat people up, be mean, rape them, rob from them. No consequences. Just do whatever you want. But if there is something beyond death, and Hebrews tells us it's a judgment, then there's a need for caution on this side of the veil. On how we live. Now, again, I'm not getting into a works-oriented faith. I'm just saying, 
God is going to examine how you lived on the other side of the veil. Therefore, you need to be cautious on how you live on this side of the veil so that when the judgment comes, you can stand there with confidence going, I did what was right. <clears throat> so there is a resurrection from the dead. If you're a Christian, you have to believe that. Who gets raised? How are they raised? What does it mean to have resurrection? Well, look at First and First Thessalonians, chapter four. First Thessalonians, chapter four. Look at verse thirteen, and we'll read all the way to the end of the verse, at the end of the chapter. But we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, those who are dead. That you may not grieve as those who do not have hope. Then I want to stop there. Look at the screen. For we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who has no hope. I love the way that that one's worded. That's the living translation, I believe. We don't grieve like the rest of humanity. They have no hope. We have hope. Let's go ahead and read again. For since, verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Let's, let's stop for a second and let's break this down. There is some kind of a precedence in the resurrection, I guess? Jesus is first. But the people who have already passed through the veil get to come up next. And then we join. Look what's, what, what it says, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, there's lots more to theology than just First Thessalonians chapter 4, and we do not have time this morning to get into all the little minutiae and go to all the different scriptures around the Bible. There's lots more that talks about what the resurrection is and how blah 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 and the millennial reign if there is such a thing and then all of that. We just you want to get into a Bible study, we'll do that some other some other time. But for right now, this discussion about the veil, what do we believe? How do you communicate it? As a Christian, you have to believe everyone dies. It's a one-time death. There's no rest, there's no reincarnation. You don't keep going until you get it right. But every single one who dies is going to come back to life again. Everyone who comes back to life again will be brought to be with God. In God's timing. There will be a judgment. If you were in right relationship with God, and I can show you this in chapter in first, first Corinthians again. If you were in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the judgment that you're going to be going through is 
what you did for God during your time on this earth, not were you for God or not for God. Because that's the first judgment that everyone has to be has to go through, but you already passed that one. Everyone who doesn't get past that one, they don't even get the rest of their life looked at. So that's what I said. You don't believe in God, you don't want to serve Jesus, then you might as well live however you want because none of that's going to be looked at in the end. You either get past that first question, did you believe in God through the blood of Jesus Christ, or are you just gone? And you don't enter into the rest of God's presence. But once you pass that first question, and you are indeed brought into the presence of God, and you go before the judgment part, the judgment part then is, how did you live your life? What did you do for the kingdom? Why? And this is, this is there's a lot of weird theology in this episode, so I'm not going to get into all of it right now, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of thought about it. Have you heard the term crowns? Have you heard the term mansions? Have you heard the term rooms? I'm going to go prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would be telling you, but it is so, and I am going to be coming back, and when I come back, you're going to be with me. But how close are you going to be? We heard a few weeks ago from a particular preacher in this space, he wasn't me, but it was somebody else who brought some new teaching that I had never heard before about levels of heaven. I wasn't sure what he was preaching, but I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying it was stuff that was new to me. But the reality is, think about it. And, and again, our brains are thinking in 3D physical world, and we're talking about something on the other side of the veil, so I can't necessarily make it right for those of you who are analytical in your thought, and you're going to come back to me at the end of the service and say, but I can tell you somebody in the ancient Greek world who can show you what you were just talking about this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that if Jesus is going to a house and each one of us is having a room in that house made for us the father's bedroom has to be located in one spot in that house and not everyone gets to have their bedroom right next door make sense? you it's just not possible for every single one of us to have exactly the same spot. I can show you in the Gospels where Jesus said, I don't have the authority to give you the position of the right and the left. I can tell you you're going to be with the Father, but I know the Father gets to decide who gets to be on the right and who gets to be on the left, because the Father's going to decide where everyone sits at the table. The Father's going to put the place cards at the table. The Father's going to decide the sleeping arrangements in the house. Doesn't mean you're not there. Doesn't mean you're not present. Doesn't mean you're not allowed, not, not be with God. All of that we believe, but specifically where, how, what, when, I, we don't have that information. We're not given that information. So what I'm saying to you is, what do you believe? I believe that everyone's going to die. I believe that everyone's going to go through judgment. I believe, oh excuse me, I believe that everyone's going to be resurrected. I believe that everyone's going to go through judgment. If you are a Christian, I believe that God's going to assess your life and it's going to determine your place setting. These are things I can show you in Scripture that are black and white in Scripture. There's a lot of nuance that's not there. There's a lot of things that you just have to fill in for yourself. But these are things that are pretty basic and pretty plain. The question that I have for you, though, is that next week, when chaos is reigning supreme, and you're talking about death and destruction and chaos. How are you going to talk with your fellow human beings about what their belief system is and what your belief system is and how well are you going to be able to effectively communicate what you truly believe 
have two days to get ready. I'm not being funny. I'm just, I'm just serious. I'm, I, this is something that we are called as Christians to be able to, if you look at First Peter, it says you are supposed to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Doing so with gentleness and respect. But you're supposed to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. And if you can't, if you can't effectively communicate what you believe, then don't say you believe it. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would bless this group. I ask myself that you would bless me as well. Father, I am not the best communicator. I mess up all the time when I try to explain what I believe. Part of it's because my words flub up, and part of it's because I don't have a solid foundation in some areas. I just don't. It's been areas where I just have never really studied and never really gotten deep. Father, I honor people uh, who can articulate and who, who have so deeply studied and, and know things backwards, forwards, inside and out that they don't even have to think when they're, when they're speaking. It just comes out because it's part of who they are. And I honor that in them. And I wish that I had more of that in me. But God, we are being given an opportunity, especially in this time of COVID, especially in this time of, of the all hallowed tide being part of the seasonal part of our year, especially because of the chaos that is going to be ensuing in the coming days, Father. We have the opportunity to speak about what's going to be happening beyond the veil. And God, I ask that as those opportunities come up, that you would help us to be able to effectively articulate what is in our heart, what is in our mind, but what is also in your word. What is the truth? Lord, help us. In Jesus' name.